0: Thank you very much. And a happy St. Patrick's Day to any of our Irish folk out there today. Have we got any Irish folk out here? No? Okay. One. All right, well, happy St. Patrick's Day to the one person. Anyway, bless you. It's great to be with you here this morning. And uh, thank you, Mark and the band, and Elizabeth, for leading us so well. It's just fantastic to be together, isn't it, and to worship the Lord together. And uh, I am continuing our series up to, as we lead up to Easter, and uh, I'm going to be talking about a prayer of seeking today, based around Psalm 34. If you have a Bible you might like to turn to, I'm going to read the whole psalm. So please enjoy, soak in the words because they are incredibly powerful and they're incredibly relevant to all of us here today. The Psalms written by David. Introduction here of David. When he pretended to be insane before Abimelech who drove him away and he left. I'll say something about that later. And he writes this, David. I will extol the Lord at all times. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, My children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all All his bones and not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Well, that is so amazing, so wonderful, so powerful. And in the few minutes that I've got... To say a few things about this psalm, it will only be a few things. I want to focus first of all on fear, because he talks about fear here, about being delivered. Now, there are such things as good fears. Fear can help keep us safe. So for example, if you're standing at the edge of a cliff, you may feel some fear that you might fall over. Well, that's a good fear. It's a healthy fear that's designed to keep you safe. I can remember as I was thinking about fear, when I was a little boy at primary school, I was sitting at home in the lounge on my own, and we had a table lamp. But there was no bulb in the table lamp. And I thought to myself, I wonder what will happen if I put my fingers in where the bulb should go. Well, I'll tell you what, I did it once and once only, because I got a terrific shock, and it took my... Fingers out, so I've got a fear of doing that, which keeps me safe. Also, when I was a boy, I remember we had an electric fire. It was at what was called a two-bar fire, and it was like glass. And so when you put the fire on, it glowed orange. And I remember thinking again, I know you laugh, but here you go. I remember thinking again, I think you know what's coming. I wonder what will happen if I touch the bar of the fire, because it's only glass, So I did it once, and I've never done it since. So in some respects, fear can be good for us. David talks about the fear of the Lord in verse 11. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So he's talking about a healthy respect here that leads to life. However, having said that, there are some good fears. Living in fear and anxiety is not good for us. It's neither good for physical nor mental health, and yet fears may arise unbidden. Fear of losing things that we cherish. Friends, family, job, health. And sometimes these fears can come unbidden in the middle of the night. Perhaps you wake up and you're thinking, you're feeling anxious about a situation in your life. You can have, for example, the best CV in the world. You can have a great job, but you can be called into the office one day. Well, we're having a change of plans, and we're going to be downsizing, and can you clear your desk by midday type thing. Or you can do your shopping in the health food shop. You can take all the right supplements, have your five a day, do your exercises, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be safe from illness. We really want to live forever and not see any of our loved ones die. But the reality is very different. So fear is like some dark shadow that raises its ugly head from time to time. And maybe like David in the psalm, you've got some good round, good reasons, good grounds to feel afraid. Maybe there are some health issues in your life. Maybe it's to do with your job security. Maybe it's family concerns. Perhaps it's financial worries. How are we going to get through this month or even this week? Perhaps it's the state of the world in general. And I hesitate to mention the B word. However, you know, maybe it's the state of the world that we look at in our own country in terms of Brexit. Or just in the world generally, personally. I was very disappointed when uh, President Trump and Kim Jong-un from North Korea failed to Progress the peace process. I thought, well, I felt personally disappointed about that. Who knows where that's going to be leading? We don't know. But things, both inside, personal to us, or outside into the world, can raise fears in our heart. David here was in a desperate situation. He was, by his own admission, he says, he was a step away from death. King Saul was out to kill him. And the point is David had done nothing wrong to deserve the king's anger. Now let's not think of King Saul as a king in terms of today. He was more like, even more powerful than say Henry VIII who had two of his wives' heads cut off. And, and what King Saul did was he had 85 priests of the Lord murdered. Because one of them had helped David. Now that was an totally. Outrageously wicked thing to do. To kill the priests of the Lord. But not only did he do that. He went on to kill all who lived in the town. Where the priests lived. He had the men. The women. The children. The infants. Even the cattle. The donkeys. And the sheep. He had them all obliterated. That is the enemy that David was facing. And it gives us some kind of idea of what David was up against as he writes this psalm. So David does something which I think is incredibly strange. He was between a rock and a hard place. Where was he going to go? So what he does is he flees to a place called Gath. And Gath was, where the, it was one of the chief cities of the Philistines. Now, David flees there because the Philistines are enemies of Israel. So he thinks, if I go to Gath, I'll be safer than if I'm roaming around Israel. Of course, there's a massive problem in Gath. The massive problem in Gath is that David had already killed the champion of Gath, Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. So you can see that David's in a very difficult situation here. That's why he pretends madness. He pretends to be mad so that the Philistines in the end want to get rid of him as well. He knows, having said that, he knows that the Lord has given him a very special promise that he will become king. So imagine he's in this situation. He's with the enemies of Israel. They don't like him either. The king is out to get him. He's had a promise from the Lord that one day he's going to be king, but it certainly doesn't look like it. I wonder... If you are waiting for a promise from the Lord to be fulfilled. I can remember many years ago. Someone whom I respect in the Lord. Came to me and said one day you're going to work full time for the church. And I thought wow. Okay. And I put that as it were on the back burner. It kind of sat in the back of my mind and heart. But it was always sitting there. But time went by. Time went by, time went by, and I thought, well, maybe they got it wrong. Maybe that's not going to happen. And so sometimes there can be a gap between the promise of the Lord being given and its fulfillment. And David's certainly in that in between stage. Maybe you are too. I don't know. David realizes he can't change his circumstances. So what does he do? He seeks the Lord. And asks to be delivered from his fears. He acknowledges that he's not in charge of his life. That things are going to happen that are outside his control. And the same is true of you and me, isn't it? Many things in life that are outside our control. Now, Neil mentioned that Joy and I are about to go to Pakistan. We're going tomorrow. Before that, we had planned our our own little personal holiday. It was a Christmas present for me. And it was due to happen this week. The only problem was... The Pakistan High Commission had our passports. And I thought it would take about a week to get the passports. No, it didn't take a week. I thought, well, maybe two. No, it didn't take two. May, well, maybe three at a, at a pinch. No, it took six. So just two days before we were due to go away, I had to go up to London. So there's, sometimes we're in situations that we can't control. I wonder if you are in one too. I'm going to make three points today. Simple ones. First one is this. It can be helpful to look back. The second one is encourage one another. And the third one is turn away from and turn to. So let's look at the first point. It can be helpful to look back. In verse 4, David says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So in the midst of his fears... In the midst of his disappointments, in the midst of his frustrations, in the midst of his confusion, what does he do? David seeks the Lord. Verse 4 again, I sought the Lord. Now notice, it's past tense. So he's looking back. I sought the Lord. He's remembering. What do you see when you look back in your life? Like the hymn writer, John Newton, I feel I can confidently say this when I look at my own life and as I look back. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Twas grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me on. Can you say the same? It's good to look back And remember how the Lord has helped you. The Lord has helped me. I was thinking about this the other day. In many ways. The Lord has helped me in my education. The Lord has helped me in my family. The Lord has helped me in my work. The Lord has helped me in my finances. The Lord has helped me in my friendships. The Lord has opened many doors of opportunity for me. How about you? And I want to say this. It's not because I'm in any special way, because God has got no favorites. As I look back, I see both triumphs and tragedies. Not everything has been easy. You may be right now in the midst of a situation that gives you trouble, that troubles you, that brings fears into your life, and there may seem no end to it. In fact, Later on in the psalm, in verse 19, David says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Do you sometimes feel as if you have many troubles? I remember an occasion a few years back when we were experiencing some major difficulties in our family. Isn't it funny? How family can cause us big problems. I think it's because we love them, isn't it? When you love someone and things go wrong, it affects you very profoundly. Anyway, I'm not going to go over specifically what they are now. Some of you may know anyway, but one night I went out for a walk. It was dark. I remember the occasion very well. I was very troubled. I mean, very troubled. And I was very worried. That I decided I need to have, needed to have some time on my own. So I went outside. It was dark. I was walking and I was praying. I remember it was raining. And the rain was mingling with the tears that were running down my face. There were tears of sadness. There were tears of desperation. In my own way, I guess I was seeking the Lord. Did I have much faith at that time that things were going to improve? I don't think I had much faith, no. It was a cry of desperation. It was a seeking of, what else can I do? I, mean, I can't do anything else. I, I feel powerless. I feel helpless. What can I do? I like, can ask the Lord. I, but I have been asking him. It's not so I haven't. But So it was desperation. It wasn't major faith. I was desperation, hoping, beyond hope, that things would improve. I couldn't change the situation. But I was appealing to the one who could. Happy to say, (laughs) the Lord moved. Unexpectedly and in different ways. And things are totally different now. And the Lord has delivered me from all my fears. I love the way the contemporary English version (coughs) translates verse 6. Look at this. I was a nobody. But I prayed. And the Lord saved me from all my troubles. I love the way it was. I was a nobody. I wonder, do you ever feel like that? I know I do. David was a simple shepherd boy when the Lord intervened dramatically in his life. He was a nobody. He was the least of his brothers out there looking after the sheep. I was a nobody. Interestingly enough, in the prophetic psalm about Christ, 22 verse 6, but I'm a worm not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. Sometimes we can feel as if we don't matter. Sometimes we can feel as if, yeah, I can see how, yeah, I can see Ron's prayers might have an effect because he's in leadership, so the Lord, he might listen to him a bit more, but me? Who am I in the great scheme of things? I'm not a power broker in this life. I don't have much status in society. I don't even have much status in the church. I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just stumblingly trying to follow Jesus and seeking his forgiveness from time to time. In fact, not just from time to time, on a regular basis, because I blew it. Who am I to approach and seek the supreme ruler of the kings of the earth? Wow. And yet we can, because of what the supreme ruler of the kings of the earth has done. We can look back, not just in our own life, but we can look back to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And Jesus gave up his status so that he could give us the status of his sons and daughters. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with sometimes feeling like a worm. And it saves the brokenhearted, it says. The Lord rescues the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If you're brokenhearted and you're crushed in spirit, I'll tell you what, you feel pretty low. So I want to say this. If you feel at your very lowest, I'll tell you what, God is very near you. Not that He's far away at all, but He saves the crushed in spirit. But God has given us access to the very throne room itself. God has given us access when we feel at our very lowest, our most vulnerable, the least amount of faith that we've ever had in our life. At that point in time, we still have absolute clarity of access to the very throne room of grace itself. As we seek the Lord to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. So I want to speak right at this moment now to those of you who may feel broken hearted and crushed in spirit. I'm not speaking to the pr- proud people. Yeah, you're fine. Go ahead. You just go on your own sweet way. I want to talk to those who feel a vulnerability, who have experienced the fear from time to time, who do wake up in the middle of the night thinking, how am I going to cope with this? Where's this all heading? I can't do anything about it. Well, David is giving us the massive clue as to what to do. It's to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his face. Because he is the one who is able to help us in the situations that we're in. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Lamb of God who gives his life for us, sacrifices his blood for you. He's done it for you regardless of what you think of yourself, Jesus' blood is shed for you. You're cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. You're clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. You have got every right to enter the very throne room of heaven itself because of what Christ has done. And he is there at the right hand of God. And not only is he the Lamb of God, but he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The Lion. He can roar. And when he roars, the whole earth will tremble. He's the beginning and the end. He's our savior. So we can have confidence. I'm a worm. I'm a nobody. That's who I am. I feel like that. I feel like that from time to time. Nobody listens to me. Nobody values me. But Jesus does. Jesus does. He loves you. And he says, come to me. So we don't just look back at our own story Of how the Lord has helped us in our own life. But we look back at the big story. Of how Christ has helped us through his death and resurrection. And is now at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. I sought the Lord. David says and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Dear friends, this morning, whatever situation you're in, whatever you're feeling about who, about yourself, I exhort you through this word to seek the Lord. I sought the Lord. I sought the Lord personally in desperation, with very little faith, a wafer thin amount of faith. But I sought the Lord in the lowest phase of my life, And he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. That's my testimony. The second thing I want to say is encourage one another. Verse 3. I want to say this. Please get alongside those who will add fuel to the fire of your faith. Yes, it's fantastic that you're here today. I love to see you here today. But who are you getting alongside who is adding fuel to the fire of your faith? Because you can be with people who dampen the fire of your faith. You can be sitting here this morning, even beside someone, and I would say to you, are they adding fuel to the fire of your faith? Are there people in this room who are adding fuel to the fire of your faith? Or even this, are you putting yourself in a position where people are adding to the fuel of your, the fire of your faith? Or are you sitting, are you in a context where the people are dampening the fire of your faith? Wow. Well, I tell you what, I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to be with those who are going to dampen the fire of my faith. I want to be with those who will add fuel to the fire of my faith. I'm in a happy situation where sometimes I come to the town centre here. I don't come so much now, but I come when I'm preaching. And uh, I usually come down the front row just because it's shorter to get up onto the stage and that kind of thing. And, uh, and often, Neil is down here as well. You saw Neil's picture earlier. And uh, just being with Neil, and he maybe he doesn't say anything to me, I don't say anything to him, but he's worshipping the Lord. I tell you what, it adds fuel to the fire of my faith and it's true of many of you here today this morning I what I usually like to do as well I usually like to give um my notes etc to the person who's doing projection and uh as I was thinking about it I thought I wonder if Carlos is going to be up there today It'd be nice of Carlos because Carlos is and we've got very many good people but Carlos just happened to come to my mind and there he is so praise the Lord That's good. Carlos is doing it today. Small things maybe, but for me, they (laughs) are maybe big. Anyway, David is saying, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There's a power in agreeing together. There's a power in worshiping the Lord together. There's a power in praying together, where two or three are gathered. And this evening, we have what we call an encounter evening in which we meet to worship and pray together. I don't know about you. But I need all the encouragement I can get. I'll be there. I'll be there because it's a fantastic opportunity to have fuel added to the fire of my faith where I will be strengthened. Seven o'clock I think it is up at uh, our Hazemar site. And one of the reasons is that we can see how the Lord has helped others through their situations. There's a power in testimony. There's a power in hearing other stories. There's a power in the, the personal experience that people have. We've got many of them on our website if you care to look. There's a power in focusing our attention on the Lord. And it's very special when we do it together. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great uh, preacher from Westminster Chapel, said, Our troubles can nearly all be traced to our persistence in looking at the immediate problems themselves instead of looking at them in the light of God. How are you looking at your troubles? How are you looking at your problems? Are they the major focus or is the Lord? As we look to the Lord, we see things differently because we see them more with the eye of faith. Well, the classic example of that, of course, is is the apostle Peter. When Jesus called him to walk on the water and come out of the boat and all the troubles surrounding Peter, the wind and the waves. Of course, we know what happened. When Peter took his eyes off the Lord, he began to sink. But even then, the Lord was gracious and rescued him. Draw near to me, the Lord says, and I'll draw near to you. Seek my face. Whatever situation you're in, however long you've been praying, however despairing you may feel, seek my face, the Lord says. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear these three words. Seek my face my face in fact let's say it together ready go seek my face i can always sit down now but i'm not going to because there's something else i want to say there's no such thing as solo christianity me and jesus only nonsense god has put us in the body of christ And whether you like it or not, if you say, well, I'm a believer, I've given my life to Christ, I'm part of the church, then you're connected into the body of Christ. And whether you like it or not, or whether you agree or not, is irrelevant. You're part of the body of Christ, and therefore, you're important, significant. Your presence matters. Glorify the Lord with me, David says. Glorify the Lord, and let us, let us exalt his name Together. We've been doing that this morning. Boy, it's refreshing. It's fantastic. So the final thing I want to say is turn away from and turn towards. And David makes a distinction between those who reject God and those who seek him. Verse 13 and 14. He says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I was reminded of what the Apostle James said when he said, who can control the tongue? Keep your tongue from evil, David tells us. Wow, that's a big ask, isn't it? Repentance is essentially a turning away from living life without God to living life with him. And Jesus has opened up that possibility through his death and resurrection. Seek peace and pursue it. This is how our speech and action should be. Seek peace and pursue it. To pursue peace it makes me think of perhaps uh, of when Interpol or the FBI they're in pursuit of someone. Perhaps they join forces. They're very intentional. There's a determination. No stone is left unturned. Our speech can build others up. Our speech can be incredibly helpful to others or it can be destructive. Wars have started with inflammatory speech. Second World War, Hitler, need I say more? On the other hand, Churchill's speeches during the war helped strengthen the resolve of the nation. What we say is important. So we're to turn away from godlessness and turn to the Lord. Verse 8, 9, 10. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. So what's he saying here? He's saying, well, experience for yourself that God is good. How do you do that? How do you, well, one of the things you do is you put yourself in a position where you're able to do that, as I mentioned earlier. How do you experience for yourself that God is good? Well, what you do is this. You place your life in his hands. Now, here's an illustration From the world of gambling. Now I'm sure you're all familiar with it. No, perhaps not. But uh, (laughs) It's from the world of poker. Alright? So poker is a card game for those who don't know. And you get certain amounts of cards. And there's betting involved. And you have chips in front of you. And if you're sitting there and you think you're going to win this hand. You're really sure. You're definite about it. What you can do is you can put all of your chips in. And you say, all in. And you leave nothing back. You don't have any in your pocket. You don't have any left on the table. You say, I'm going all in. Now that's a gamble. But when we talk about going all in with God, it's not a gamble. It's a step of faith. And it's a step of faith not in something. It's a step of faith in someone. It's a step of faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, the savior of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah, as I mentioned earlier. Have you gone all in? Or have you still got some in your pocket? Still some left on the table. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Can I encourage you today? Go all in. I'm holding nothing back. All in. Unreserved. Do you know who went all in? Jesus. He went all in. He held nothing back. He gave up his very life for you and me. He went all in. There's a great sense throughout the psalm as well that the Lord is involved, totally involved. He's not sitting passively with his arms folded. He is a God of action. Never think that the Lord is passive. He is not passive. He is active. Verse 15 and 16, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. You know, as a sideline here. Sometimes we think, why is it that people are getting away with this? Why is it that evil seems to be triumph?" Well, this psalm clearly tells us that evil will not triumph. The Lord is going to blot out the name of the evil from the earth. Wow. I don't want to be in that category. Do you? The Lord will rescue, the Lord will deliver. The amazing thing is also that the Lord does all this from a position of having walked the walk. The righteous person may have many troubles, verse 19, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones, not one of them will be broken. I wonder if that was something that Jesus thought about as he walked about on the earth, as he read the scriptures himself, as he thought about it, as he knew that he was gonna die on the cross. Not one of my bones is going to be broken, I bet he thought. And actually, Jewish leaders wanted Jesus' legs to be broken. Because if you broke someone's legs on the cross, it would mean they could not lift themselves up to breathe and they would suffocate very quickly. But Jesus had already died because actually no one took his life from him, but he gave it up voluntarily himself. He went all in, trusting in the one who would raise him from the dead. What a savior we have. He fully understands our human frailty. And so he hears and sees our cries for help with extraordinary compassion. So again, I would encourage you today, encourage you this morning, whatever situation you're in, whatever amount of faith that you feel you've got, even if you've made the mess yourself, seek the Lord. Ask him. Go all in. And ask him and he will help you. Verse 5. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Are you looking to the Lord? Are you seeking him? So finally, look back at what the Lord has done for you. And thank him. I can think of many things, many blessings I've received from, from the Lord. And I'm sure you can too. I would encourage all of us, be connected in fellowship. Please get alongside those who add fuel to the fire of your faith. Don't get alongside those who are going to dampen the fire of your faith. Now, I'm not talking about getting out of the world, uh, you know. And I'm not talking about not being with non-Christians. I'm just talking about in the fellowship of God's people. When you're with God's people, get alongside those who will add fire to the fuel of your faith. I went to a prayer meeting last Sunday evening and was reminded of prayer meetings I went to 40 years ago. And I was grateful to the Lord for keeping me to still be connected with God's people. Glorify the Lord with me, David says. Let us exalt his name together. Turn from evil in our speech, in our actions and pursue peace. Seek the Lord because God sees, God hears and God delivers. Amen.